0: Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. What we don't realize is if you look at the very best athletes in the world, the most successful people in any field, you realize they're not preoccupied with the outcome. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability.
1: I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of
0: self-reflection resilience
1: toughness some guys have it some guys don't
0: adversity 100 percent how to pick myself up and be a man after i failed
1: and everything that has shaped my life and where i'm at today would not be there without the
0: values and basically the the lessons i've learned through the sport of wrestling for me wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy
1: we're fortunate if you wrestled, because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to
0: adapt, you learn how to solve problems. If I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
1: Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host Ryan Warner. My guest today is the great and powerful Gene Zanetti, co-founder of Wrestling Mindset, a company dedicated to helping you win the mental battle. I absolutely love talking to this guy, and this is Gene's second time on the show. So, if you want to hear the first episode, check back to episode two. Fan of the week goes to Oliver Tipton from Blair Academy, class of 21. Oliver, thanks for holding it down on the East Coast for us, my friend. And folks, this episode is brought to you by Assembly Fall, which is an audio documentary that we're going live with next Tuesday. It's on the historic 2001 IHSA state finals match between Eric Tannenbaum and Matt Kukula. Tannenbaum was 86-0 in one of the rising stars in Illinois, whereas Matt Kukula had already been defeated by Tannenbaum that year and was looking to avenge an upset. It's one of the most talked about Illinois high school state finals matches of all time, and I thought it deserved its own documentary. So that's going live next Tuesday. The trailer will be coming out this week. If you want an early release of the documentary, pl- please text IHSA to 555 That's IHSA to 555 And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Gene Zanetti. Peace! Gene Zanetti. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you?
0: Ryan, always a pleasure.
1: Dude, good to see you again. Doing well. We were talking before uh, we got on the air here, but you were guest number two or three, and we recorded it. Uh, what parish was that out in New York?
0: It actually wasn't at a parish. It was at a, um, a chapel. It's the National Shrine of St. Francis Cabrini.
1: Yeah. Patron
0: saint of immigrants. Yep.
1: That's right. So we were. I was in New York for work, and I took an Uber. I don't even know if that's the Bronx or Queens, whatever that is. What is that? It's It's Upper Manhattan. Upper Manhattan. Upper,
0: Upper Manhattan.
1: (laughs) We were up there, man. I thought we were in like a residential neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, man, it's been awesome. Uh, Awesome to have you back on the show. And I, I love watching your content. And I know we had talked, these are uncertain times and obviously mindset more important than ever. And man, you're seeing people who they don't really have a hardship. They had like, for example, I know some people who still get to work, but they have to work from home and that alone is causing them to go into a little bit of a tailspin here. And it's let alone people who have lost their jobs. I mean, so, um, what's just your general take on on the environment we're in now and, and what have you seen that's working for folks and what's not working?
0: Yeah. Crazy, crazy times. And, um, obviously some serious adversity. What I look at though is anytime there's adversity, there's an opportunity, Right. And of course, depending on what you do for a living, there's different opportunities, right? But I've always seen, you just look at the track of history and that anytime there's like a massive adversity situation or a war or a depression, anything like that, there are always some people that, you know, crash. And a lot of times that's no fault of their own. So we're certainly not saying that, right? right. right. But there are other people who do wind up taking it to the next level. And it actually winds up being like a, a if you want to call it a blessing in disguise for their career anyway. In other words, the people who see the opportunity during the adversity, sometimes those people skyrocket during these kind of times. So we want all of us, all of the callers, all the listeners, we want you to be on that side of the fence. Like we said, mindset being more important than ever, positivity, resiliency, and seeing opportunity. It's not easy to do, especially when we're isolated. That means we have to hustle. It means we have to have a plan. And of course, you know, we have to be safe. We want to follow best practices for health and everything, so we're certainly not take, you know taking any of that for granted.
1: Right, and I know you're well known in the wrestling circles, um, especially even bigger than that. Ever since you know Ben had mentioned you guys in the Joe Rogan podcast, that had to be a huge lift. Um, but the folks who aren't familiar with you, let's maybe take a step back. What's your story, and how did you get to this point of wrestling mindset? Because it it, it was anything but a linear path, and I think it's really cool to hear that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Me, both my younger brothers, we all wrestled since we were kids, elementary school, right through, you know, right through college. So we saw how mental sports are. And we saw there were a lot of common mental mistakes. And we call them the mindset red flags now that are so common to wrestlers, even high level wrestlers, like being a practice room wrestler, right? You get it done in practice, practice room state champ, but then you get out there in a match and you just don't execute the same way. Uh, in matches, we're not a lot of times as aggressive as we are in practice. We don't have that same killer instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrestle too cautious, too conservative, too hesitant. Uh, we're focusing too much on the wins and losses. Also, a lot of times we give a good opponent too much respect. We wrestle the name. We wrestle the face instead of the body that's in front of us. We forget that they can't bring their medal with them on the mat, mm-hmm. right? If they're a defending state champ, they can't bring that with them on the mat. In In boxing or UFC, they can't bring their belt with them out there when they compete. They gotta go in there, you know, man to man. So we make those mistakes. A lot of a lot of us were slow starters. That's another common mistake we've seen. Almost every wrestler will say their worst match of a tournament is the first one. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things, the problem with that is now that's an NCAA quarterfinal match. In New Jersey, that's a, a region, that's a that's an automatic qualifier for the state tournament. Mm-hmm. So you got when you're going up against the best competition, or at very least someone who's equally Skilled as you are, you need to be firing on all cylinders from the first whistle till the end. Um, not to take too much of a detour, but my college coach no, Zeke, Jones to- yeah. Zeke Jones told us that uh, he studied world and Olympics and NCAA matches, and he found that most takedowns happen within 15 seconds of a whistle start. So, what does that tell you? That means you need to be ready as soon as you step on that line, whether it's in the beginning of a match after you go out of bounds, after a stall or stalemate or potentially dangerous. you've got to be ready to go. So the whole point there is that we've seen those things firsthand as competitors. Um, Jeff and I, wrestled at the University of Pennsylvania for Zeke Jones. Greg was the best out of the three of us, actually. He ranked as high as sixth in the country, um, two-time academic All-American, beat two national finalists, won like five or six college tournaments. So we just saw how mental it was because there were many, many times we underperformed. And we said, how do we how do we fix this or how do we maybe not fix it because it's not a medical thing, but how do you improve? And we had a sports psychologist work for us um, for the U Penn wrestling team. You know, Zeke at least knew the importance of mindset. So he brought in a sports psychologist, unfortunately, and he was very good. So this was in Philadelphia. He was the, the sports psychologist for the Phillies, the Sixers, the Flyers, the Eagles. And he came in and he worked with our team, gave us great information, but he was a baseball player. So the guys weren't taking him as serious. And and some of them that we were, but, you know, he gave us very general sports psychology. And I said, man, wouldn't it be great if we made this material made by wrestlers for wrestlers? And that's how we created wrestling mindset. And again, being very blessed to have a lot of success with working with the Olympic team, some UFC fighters, national champs, state champs, all that stuff. We said, now, why don't we take the same model, which was in the back of our mind the whole time, but we read in business books it's important to niche market. Mm-hmm. So we started in wrestling, and eventually we branched it out to baseball, mindset, football, golf, tennis. You know, a lot of wrestling coaches are golfers, and they're just as competitive as they were when they were competing in wrestling. So now, you know, these wrestling coaches can use the golf mindset strategies to help them succeed out there.
1: And what does a program look like for you if a wrestler signed up? What does uh, What is the curriculum, and and how does it work, so to speak?
0: So we try to liken this to strength training for the mind, okay? A lot of people, when they hear mindset training, they look at it like motivational speaking. Oh, we're gonna have a guest speaker come in today, or a counselor or a therapist, right? I'm all for those things. I follow a lot of motivational speakers on my Instagram. And of course, I'm all about counseling and therapy. My master's degree is in clinical psychology. I am a school psychologist. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But, But when we're dealing with athletes, I don't like athletes to look at it like that because it creates a lot of confusion. Look at it as a strength coach for your mind or having like that personal strength coach for your mind, right? So a strength coach will actually take you through exercises, watch you, walk you through it, and on a consistent basis, help you get stronger where you need it, right? Or for a t- so that would be for the individual model. So we work with individuals one-on-one over the phone. We have a whole series of mindset exercises and worksheets. And the mindset coach takes the athlete through that over the phone. And we do a very similar thing with our teams. Just like a strength coach would take your team through a lift, correct your form, tell you what exercises to do. We do the same thing with the team. They go through our mindset exercises, our systematic program that's wrestling specific. Mm-hmm. And we work with other sports It's golf specific, tennis specific. And take you through those exercises. But to just give you a quick idea of that, you don't want to just look at it as, Oh, they either have the mindset or they don't. Right. That's a common misconception. We see a lot of parents or coaches. They say, oh, this kid is just a stud. They don't need mindset training. And that's, that's not a very logical or sophisticated way of looking at the mind. Right. Think of it like the body in the strength training model. Different muscles in the body. Some people have strong arms, weak legs. They have a strong neck. They have a weak grip. So in the same way, we break the mindset down into eight different mental muscles and we do, the first thing we do with our individuals, we take them through a mindset checklist, and we ask them simple questions, and then we could see where they're strong and where they're weak. That's the way to look at mindset, just like our body mm-hmm. and just like wrestling technique. You could be really good on neutral, and you could be really crummy on bottom. And you could break neutral down further because are we talking offense or defense? Are we talking about setups or finishes? What about your front headlock? What about defense front headlock? What about your ability to scramble? There's so many different ways it's broken down that almost to say they're good on their feet is it's not enough information. We treat mindset the same way. We get into the intricacies and we've created that systematic mindset program to improve where that athlete needs the most.
1: And isn't it amazing how any (laughs) high-level athlete will say 99% of it's mental, right? You've heard that, I'm sure, a lot. But yep. how much of your time do you spend on the mental? You know, you might spend 2 hours in a practice, an hour in the morning lifting, and you've given 3 hard hours to the physical, but how much have you given to the mental? Um and that's right. like just you say it in those terms, you're like, "Holy shit. Like what uh what are we doing here?" You know, I'm <clears> sure that's something you guys probably hear quite a bit, right?
0: All the time. I always begin with that question because it's see it's one thing for me to for me to preach it to people and to say it. It's another thing when people say it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's why I always begin with that. It's such a good buy-in for elementary school, right through professional athletes, any sport. You say, what percentage of of the sport is physical and mental? And you could apply that to someone when I was a personal trainer. I could apply that to people who wanted to lose weight or wanted to transform their body. What percentage of it is physical or mental? Mm -hmm. Everyone invariably throws between 50 and 90 percent. Okay, so then how much how much time are you training mentally? And then you and then you start getting the smiles. People put their head down, people chuckle, and you're like, Right, right, I get it. You're training 95% physical.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you have to if you want to be successful, you gotta work hard and smart. A lot of people say work smarter, not harder, is an excuse to be lazy. That's not what we're saying. We're saying you have to work both hard and smart. So if you're saying it's fifty percent mental, you better be training at least fifty percent mental. Mm-hmm. We're putting a heck of a lot more time in on that. So you just create that bite. And when they say it, then they're able to sit with their with our own hypocrisy in a moment for a moment. And that's true for all of us. We're all hypocrites in different areas. And instead of going running off and playing video games, getting distracted on social media, watching TV or having a conversation with a friend, sit with that, sit with that discomfort, sit with that tension. That's good for you. That's a tension helps you grow. Mm-hmm. Right. What are you going to do about it? So that's where we transition into the mindset training.
1: And one of my favorite stories about you dealing with hypocrisy is, you met, you're a very religious person now, but you mentioned for a while you were you kind of were, but you weren't right. You were kind of half in, half out, and then you had like this. I'll never forget this conversation we had where you had said there was some moment where you just go, "I have been kind of living as a hypocrite," right? Not doing bad things, but. You haven't been living the way you want to live your life. What was that moment? What what was the backstory there? Because I that was a very powerful message. I remember to this yeah. day.
0: Because again, so many times I go in front of a team and I say, or in front of athletes or coaches convention, we presented over forty coaches conventions last year, and I ask that question: What percentage is physical? What percentage right. is mental? And now sit with that tension, sit with that hypocrisy. So, five years ago it was about it was almost five years ago to date. To this date right now that my brother said youngest brother greg who's the best wrestler out of the three of us said he wanted to become a priest hmm. now i'd seen my brother girlfriends before right he made mistakes he wasn't he wasn't perfect either um and myself i was you know the way i was living and everything and and i said man my brother is going to give his life for god he wants to give his life entirely for god he wants to give up having a family he had to break up with the girl that he was dating for three years
1: hmm.
0: so and i said wow on a scale of one to ten, so I put the number to myself. I love putting a numerical value on this. I, I learned this in um, different sales books because you know reading yeah. about that for business. And they said you want people to commit to a number like that, what percentage or on a scale of one to ten, because then they've locked in their answer, right? So on a scale of one to ten, how important is my faith to me? I know the answer is ten. At any point in my life, I would have said it's a ten. But the, but then I asked, how much am I, how much am I living it that way on a scale of one to ten? And the, right, and the right answer was two. I was very selfish, doing, what, doing whatever I wanted, praying when it was convenient for me, and I said, probably a two. So then you put the question to yourself, what are you going to do about it? Right back in the old days, middle school, elementary school, people that, you know, looks like a fight's going to break out. Someone puts their hands up and they say, what are you going to do about it? Right. Well, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what are you going to do about it? So for me, that's when I started studying and asking a lot of the difficult questions Uh, that maybe I shied away from because I was afraid of looking foolish. But the whole point here is do your homework. I started asking basic questions. Why should I believe in God? What's the evidence for and against? Why should I believe in Jesus? What's the evidence for and against? Why should I be a Catholic? What's the evidence for and against? And after doing my own research, uh, playing devil's advocate, asking a lot of questions, I came to the understanding that to the best of my knowledge, the Catholic Church is the truth. So once I came to that understanding, then then again, what are you going to do about it? Right. And that's when I said, I'm either all in or I'm all out. It's got to be one or the other. And that's when I jumped in with two feet. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Still make plenty of mistakes. But I sat with my own hypocrisy and I said, something's got to give. And I hope for when we going back to mindset that everyone looks at it that way Mm -hmm. and says, okay, we know how mental it is. We're not working on our mindset. What are we going to do about that? You sit with that tension and you make some kind of change. You jump in with two feet. You don't be half hearted about it.
1: I love the story because the part of, as you call it, sitting with the tension or doing your research, that inward self-reflection can be very uncomfortable. and Extremely. Very uncomfortable, right? No matter what it is. I mean, I had a, a pretty significant breakup five years ago, and I afterwards, after about three months of wallowing, I go, well, I was most of the problem, if not all the problem. You know, And so yeah. you have to really sometimes put yourself in those difficult situations to see that. Um, and so for a wrestler, yeah. that may be losing a match they thought they shouldn't or a consistent season where they thought they were underperforming. So that's a pretty mature thing to have that. And fortunately, wrestling gives you a lot of opportunities for self-reflection because a lot of people go through their life, they don't know if they're winning or losing. Wrestling's pretty black and white. Um, And you know, even if, not that the match results, everything, but I guess your performance in the match is pretty black and white. How'd you feel about it? Um, And did you perform up to your ability? And so once you get kids to buy into that, what is like, what is the first technique they might do? Because it's not realistic to expect someone to meditate for two hours if they wrestle for two hours. So what are some of the, the, tech, the tactics, yeah. the techniques that you guys do to kind of balance out the physical and the mental?
0: Yeah. So when we have, in my experience with sports psychologists who were, who were good guys, well-meaning, and had a wealth of information, what I saw is when they would work with our team and, and different teams that I've seen this uh, executed with, they would start the team with some kind of, like you said, either a meditation were visualization. Everyone lays down flat on the ground. They cut the lights and they take them through a visualization sequence. And I always thought, like, I see what they're trying to do here, but you're dealing with kids. You're dealing with guys who have have egos. Right. You're dealing with immaturity, and it's just it's so not it's not practical. Okay, that doesn't that exercise is not going to produce a lot of buy-in. To a majority of people. That's like a high level person who can do that. Like, that's not like a beginning level thing. Well, anyone can do it. The the reality is, it is anyone can do it, but are they ready? Are they predisposed to now laying down and taking your advice on that, right? So, Mm -hmm. in my experience, that's been a non starter if you're trying to communicate with the masses, with most people. Look, the reason why we're wrestlers is because we're hands on people, Mm -hmm. we're kinesthetic learners. We need to touch it, taste it, smell it. It's got to be practical and concrete. Now, that's hard enough for us a lot of times when it comes to technique or strength. Imagine how much more difficult it is when it's something theoretical and abstract like mindset. So it's always been my belief you need to put the pen to paper and you need to do exercises and activities and, and actually write your thoughts down on paper. Otherwise, it's just floating around in your in your head. And then all of a sudden what happens? A friend drums up a conversation. Pretty girl walks by. Poof, it's gone right? So we got to make it practical and concrete. The other thing I've seen sports psychologists do, they start with goal setting. Seems logical. It seems logical enough. Let's take it from the top. What are your goals? But a lot of times wrestlers, again, you're trying to create buy-in among kids, okay? Uh, when when I was a Penn, we had a two-time NCAA champ, Matt Bellini. Matt Harrington was fifth, fifth in the country. I think our entire starting lineup was ranked in the top 20. In other words, my point being is we all needed help, believe me. <laughs> but we all knew what our goals were, to be NCAA champs, to be All-Americans. In my mind, goal setting is not the best way to approach a team like that because it's like, oh, okay, yeah, write down our goals, whatever, right? So when we created Wrestling Mindset, we said, let's go in and let's speak their language right away And we start talking about performance because we all knew what our goals were. It comes down to, okay, were we, were we relaxing under pressure? Were we confident enough? Did we know what to tell ourselves right before a match? Do we know what to tell ourselves in a match? Like, referee makes a bad call. What are you telling yourself? Your opponent takes a cheap shot, does something dirty. Mm-hmm. What do you tell yourself? You got scored on first. What's going on in your head? 30 seconds left. You're up by one point. You know the ref's looking to bang you with stalling. What's going on up here? When you speak like that to a kid, boom, they're into it. Yeah. They, they're like, okay, I, I get what you're saying. And now we're like, listen, this is not just like um, you know motivational speaking or therapy. You can't just keep it in your head. Just like you do your just like you do your drilling for technique, just like you lift weights in the weight room. Now you're going to get your mental reps. Now you're going to train your brain. Pull the piece of paper out and write it out. Referee makes a bad call. What do you tell yourself?
1: Mm.
0: What are you telling? You're up by one point. Can you think of a time you're up by a point? You know, the ref's banging you with stalling if you're backing up. What do you tell yourself in that moment? So, when they write it down, it, it creates so much more buy in and it's much more concrete. That if I do a series of those, we get five, 10, 12 workshops with the team with very practical, specific, wrestling specific exercises like that. Then I could say, now we're going to talk about visualization. Now we're going to talk about goal setting. And the team's like, okay, this is what we got to do. Yeah. They bought in. Right. I. I love that because it's like even the
1: term visualization or meditation. It's very, it's very foo foo I do it every day, but for a long time I'm like, you know what? That's ridiculous. But yeah, you realize that people do it subconsciously, without even knowing how to do it. But then you put some structure to it. It's incredible how uh, how right. effective it can be, and almost all top level athletes. Say that they do it in some way or another Um, Jesse Jansen used to Sit in the Harvard room put a song on And he'd literally sit in the room and go in there For 10-20 minutes just like a Practice you know and do it so um, Visualization that is so It can be as rigid as it's it's awesome Um, But I like how you start You start with a worksheet you start very tactical And so that's what some of the techniques are Is writing out the self Talk during a a, a Poor referee's decision or Or the situations you just mentioned, what about losing? How do you guys tackle that? What if, and I, and why I'm asking is there's a couple parents who listen to the podcast who have reached out to me and said, hey, Johnny is eight, year, eight years old, 10 years old. He just doesn't handle losing that well. Do you ever come across that when you're working with kids and how do they handle like the mindset yeah. of losing?
0: Yeah, so we've been groomed by society and the media to think in terms of outcomes, right? I get it. It's good to have a goal. It's good to want to be a state champ, national champ. Like, do all of that I mean, with nothing, with none of that taken away. But we have an over preoccupation with outcomes. What kind of car do you drive? How much money do you make? Um, do you have a girlfriend or not? Right? What's your, you think about the, yeah, what's, what's your record? What was your score in the SATs? Right. What were your grades on the report card? So we start to get the sense at a young age that the outcome is what's most important. Yes, of course, we all want a strong outcome. What we don't realize is if you look at the very best athletes in the world, the most successful people in any field, you realize they're not preoccupied with the outcome. They're preoccupied with the process. Yes. And, and and their focus, I don't want to say preoccupied, but their focus on the, on the process is what makes them highly successful in the outcome. And people don't realize that. So we need to train them out of thinking about the outcome. So if I ask a wrestler, how did you do in a tournament this past weekend? They're almost always going to say what they placed, what the record was, if they won or if they lost, those are the things they're going to tell you. And I say, okay, great. That doesn't tell me anything about your performance. I have no idea your competition. I don't know anything about how you personally wrestled. So when we talk about mindset, we say you need to start start viewing your performance in terms of things you could control. So one of the exercises we have is we have them actually write out a new definition of success and failure based on factors in your control, your effort. Your attitude, your aggressiveness, your preparation, your lifestyle, that's in your control. So now write a new definition of success and failure based on effort, attitude, aggressiveness, preparation, and control. Now, you have that. Now, it's going to be very difficult. You're going to have to be really mentally tough, and, and you're going to have to continue with the mindset training because the whole world is going to be telling you the outcome is important. Yeah. And, you have to, and you have to be the very focused person that says, no, this is what's important. And I trust the process. That if I focus on this, the outcome, if it's not there today, it will be there in the future. So we have another mindset worksheet that we have with athletes called the match evaluation. So with our knowledge of wrestling, we break neutral, top and bottom, down into factors that are directly in the wrestler's control. And after every match, they're to check off either yes or no in these boxes. And that's how we train them to think about the process rather than the outcome. As an example, on neutral, we say, did I take, did I take multiple full attacks? That's in your control. Now, whether, if I'm wrestling Jordan Burroughs, okay, that's, that's a good example here because I know I'm going against the legend, right? I can't control the outcome. I'm going to get creamed, but I could say he's going to have to defend my low single. I'm not going to be defending double legs that I could control. I could, I could control shooting on him or not shooting on him. Right. So did I do that? Yes or no. Yes, I did it. Okay, so I got yeah, tacked out, 10-0 early on. But I, I shot my—I went against him, I took the shot against him. Okay, if I'm wrestling Jesse Jansen, it's going to be real tough to get off bottom. But did I, did I go for a first move on bottom? Most wrestlers' first move, they just base out. Right. That's in your control. That's 100% in your control. So did you go for the first move? Yes or no? On top, you might be wrestling a stud on bottom. You're going up against a Joe Dubuque. Man, he can move, and he's right out right away. Did you attempt a mat return? When he got to his feet, doesn't mean you returned him. Did you attempt a mat return or just kind of push him away like most wrestlers do? So we break the match down into all those different areas and we say, okay, yes or no. Did you do these factors that are within your control? And that's how you start evaluating your matches. But you have to do it over and over and over, just like you get your technical reps when you're doing your drilling. Just like you get your strength reps in the weight room. You need to get mental reps of doing that match evaluation after every single match and then you start getting programmed to think differently about how you wrestled. It's not just if you got your hand raised or if you didn't. You could have got your hand raised and checked no to most of those boxes on there. That's a red flag for the future. Yeah. So that's how we. Tr- that's that's a perfect example. Two perfect examples of practical exercises we do with the kids. Redefine wins and losses in terms of factors in your control and fill out the match evaluation, which we've which we've made for them.
1: Dude, I. I... Freaking love that whole thought process of redefining success because it's just as I'm hearing you say that I'm thinking, man. If I was a kid hearing that, I just feel more at ease. I don't feel as tight and so stressed because wins and losses are not the best way to determine improvement. Like, how are you? The the main thing is getting acquiring skills to get better, whether it's technical skills or mental skills a loss does not give you a good – or winner or a loss does not give you a good gauge of how much you're improving your skill set and how much you're learning. And it's like I read um, John Wooden's book on this, and he used to say success to him was – it was something along the lines of – success is defined as giving total effort to preparation,
0: something along those lines. And to that said, which you were capable – yeah, to, to the, doing the best to that which you were capable of doing, something yes. along yeah, – I know. And yeah. he used to say <laughs> –
1: I, would, I wouldn't even, depending on a week of practice, I wouldn't even have to go to the game and watch to know if we won or not because I know we won in the preparation. Like he said he, he would, doesn't even have to go to the games to watch. And then Urban Meyer said, um, he's like, you may think my goal is to be a national champion as, a, as the Ohio State Buckeyes coach. It's not. My goal is to have each of our seven units of our team playing at full capacity every game. That's a successful year. And if that happens, the result's going to take
0: care of himself. So it's like, yes.
1: you know what I mean? It's that kind yeah, you, of thought you, process. You, you see
0: why? You see why? Every now and then, you keep getting texts from me about trying to bring you on board into the business dude, because I know, you're, dude. You're right out Because no, because you're on point. John Wooden is the example I use. I tell people, I say, look, John Wooden never spoke to his team about wins and losses. Right. He was named He was named by ESPN Sports Century 2000, where they did all those yes. top 10 lists, and they said that the number one coach of all time, John Wooden, never spoke to his team about wins and losses. In fact, he said he used to tell his players. The team that makes the most mistakes usually wins. Now, the story I tell is back in seventh grade, I remember being in the state championship game for Pop Warner football, and I remember my coach telling me the opposite. We were inside the gym. It was a rainy day, so we had to be inside the gym, and he said, team, it's very simple. The team that makes the most mistakes is going to lose this game. Then I think about the greatest coach of all time saying the team that makes the most mistakes wins. And I'm thinking, okay, who do you listen to, and what's going on with both of their opinions? So does John Wooden want his team to make mistakes? Like, truly want that no of course he doesn't but he knows that if you're so focused on making mistakes you're not going to make much of anything right. you're not going to be aggressive you're not going to die for the loose ball you're not going to go for rebounds right so he encouraged his team make mistakes so now you feel free the monkeys off your back and now you could go after it and give a full-out effort maybe it works maybe it doesn't but you're more likely to succeed if you're going all out rather than holding back so that is a tremendous lesson that we always give about that you have to you have to not focus so much on the outcome, and and to tie it into the big picture, like the main purpose of wrestling mindset, winning mindset, is to use sports as a vehicle to build virtue for life. Yes. Learn mental skills that you could use for the rest of your life, because most of the people, even the people I see the interview, the highest, the best of the best, we're not using our technique very much, right? right. We're not using our wrestling technique very much. No. We're not using like we're trying to stay in shape physically. But we're not really using it for a, a purpose of, you know, like competition in sports. But all the mental skills that we've developed, all the virtue we've learned from wrestling, that's being applied to our careers, to our marriages, to our relationships, the way we cope with the world, the way we deal with the with the coronavirus. Right. right? And in terms of we're doing best practices, we're, we're staying in shape, you know, we're. We're isolating, but we're doing the things that we need to do to continue to get better during adversity. So these are life lessons. And if we're so focused on the outcome, especially kids nowadays, they have it harder than we did with Much social harder. media. I mean, the, the, the high school kid who's a good athlete, they're a mini celebrity. So when they post a picture on Instagram, they're getting a ton of likes, Yeah. right? So, so what does that do to you mentally if you're focused on outcome? How many likes you get? How many friends you have? All the compliments you're getting that focus away from the process uh, and i don't take any of this stuff lightly as a school psychologist opens you up to depression suicide substance abuse the lowest of the low so that's why the that's why i get so fired up about these mindset lessons because this goes far beyond winning championships of course we want to see you reach your goals and and get to, and be on the top of the podium yes and to and to to give these life lessons i'm happy to use wrestling as that metaphor yep right but This goes so far beyond wrestling. You don't judge yourself whether or not the girl said yes to go out on a date or you or not. You don't judge yourself by the money you have in your bank account. You have to focus on the things within your control. So not only is that gonna make you more successful, you're also gonna be happier. So many movie stars and pro athletes, they have all this money, they're great looking, they have all these followers on social media, they're depressed, they're hooked on drugs, they're suicidal. What good is that? I want you to be massively successful. And massively happy.
1: Dude, I love it. I know we're short on time here, but I'll just say the one thing that stuck to my mind there, based on what you were saying in relation to yeah. Corona, is it all comes down to focusing on things you can control, right? You can't control outcomes. You can't control winning or losing. You can't control how many new cases are reported. You can't control any of that. What can you focus on? Your routines, your practices, your own self talk. You know, that's what it all comes down to, especially in the broader picture of life. Like we're dealing with you know, a real crisis right now. And even with things that are, are, are not real life. A youth wrestling tournament is nothing right. It's, it's a conduit for, for teaching and, you know, focusing on the things you can, you can control. I think is one of the underlying themes here.
0: Absolutely. Awesome.
1: Gene Zeddy. I needed this man to get my Friday started. I can't wait to get this back out to everyone. Thank you for your time, sir. Um, we'll have to get you back on where we can do a full hour here, but this is a perfect little, uh, little quick-hitting episode to get everyone tuned back in, man. Thank you for your time, brother.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure. I love doing this with you.
1: And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Change My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.